Welcome back to Bad in Bed, the queer sex education podcast. This episode is sponsored by Onut, a pleasure tool that is designed to increase pleasure during penetration and decrease pain. This episode will be talking about all things painful sex, including insights from pelvic floor therapist Uchena Usai, a Texas-based pelvic floor therapist who is queer-informed, trauma-informed, and an overall badass. Looking forward to having her on. Uh, so first it was uh, red, and then it was blue, and then, I'm not kidding, it was like black. <laughs> So, Bobby, I think that we need to start with just a public service announcement about painful sex. All right. Sex should never be painful unless that is a sensation that you and your partner or partners are actively seeking out. There's a misconception that sex the first time or sex if it's in your butthole or sex after pregnancy is supposed to be painful and that that is normal and the sign of a healthy body and that's actually not the case. Right, yeah. I And I feel that it's always, you kind of get a weird reaction when sometimes people want some pain and they're like, well, what's good pain and what's bad pain? And it's something you kind of have to figure out. And I think, too, if you get to the point where pain is something that you're actively seeking out during sex, Mm -hmm. I hope that you are at the point with your body that you know how to listen what it's telling you. Yeah, no, a lot of people I've found, even in my own experiences, you don't necessarily want to express that something's painful because it could take you out of the mood and everything. But like, especially as someone who engages in anal sex. You've hmm. got to let them know because they're not going to know otherwise. Wait, so how do you tell someone? I mean, I know a lot of people like to do the um, red light, green light type thing. Like if something's going a little too painful, you say red. Hmm. Also, you can just be straight up about it. I'm more just like, nope, pull it out. Like not right now. Go slower. You know what? As as the bottom, you do have – that's your responsibility because they don't necessarily know. Right, right. Like, the insert of partner. So like – tops who like maybe aren't as used to bottoming you know like they don't know what it feels like so they see do what they see in porn which is just like ram it in yeah and visually for the top when an ass is ready to be penetrated it kind of puckers like there's a visual sort of release that happens that you can see yeah we kind of um the gays call it blooming Ooh, that's fun i've never heard that yeah like you know how like a flower blooms bloom for me baby kind of like yeah exactly um that there's a pop star, a gay pop star who sang a song called Oh Troy Sivan. Oh, called a song called Bloom. That's what it's about. It's like, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait. So Bob, have you had painful sex? Do you have experience with it? I think I've mentioned a few times now that I've been to the hospital for painful anal sex. E- so, and to be honest, like the surgery and everything, I still experience pain from that injury. So I want to use my story to kind of kind of as a warning for people to be like, you know, to just to reinforce how important your own bodily safety is. And if something feels off, say it and reassess the situation and carry on as you see fit, because I kept going because I didn't really feel anything at the moment. I was, I'd had some drinks, mm. so maybe that had to do mm. with it. But other than that, I mean, I would say, uh, at least anal sex because I can't speak to vaginal sex. So um, that it doesn't matter necessarily how big the your partner is. It's how the like 
I've been with lar- people with large penises who you don't feel any pain at all and it's just pure bliss. But I've also been with people who are maybe below, considered below average, where it's been painful. So I do, like, they say it's not the size of the boat, it's the motion of the ocean or something like that. <laughs> and I, that's absolutely true, especially true, I think, of anal sex because the waves are, they're big and you got to get in there. Like, you've just got to. Um, the waves are I big. <laughs> Like, I mean, like, it's like, it's like you really got to pilot it correctly because it's, it can be disastrous. It really can. Well, what have your experiences been with painful sex, Gabby? Like, do you have any standout stories or something to share? So I experience pain during vaginal penetration because I have a hypertonic pelvic floor, but there's so many reasons somebody might experience pain during like penis and vagina sex or strap on sex. Um, What I will say for all of them is if you are experiencing pain, seek out the help of a medical professional. So I went first to my OBGYN who tested me for STIs because I guess pain during penetration can be a symptom of of a a variety of STIs. When those came back negative, then she recommended me to a trauma-informed pelvic floor therapist who then was able to do an assessment to let me know that this is what I had. Um, Regardless of the cause an expert can at least help you understand what it is that's going on with your body and work with you to come up with sort of a game plan. So if you are experiencing pain during penetration now, know that that is not normal and it is something that can be worked to be eradicated over time. It is common for people to experience pain during sex Like people talk to their friends and they're like, yeah, that hurts, right? And then everyone's like, yeah, that hurts. And despite how common it is, it's not, it's not, it's not the sign of a healthy, um, I guess, sexual encounter if we want to not use the word normal. Totally clears it up. Yeah. I I, I love that. Um, Because it is true. Like almost every gay man has had a nightmarish anal sex experience. Like anyone who's had anal sex, really. Like you just like. And I, I think that something we should also talk about is the importance of the um, insertive partner or, you know, acknowledging that, like, what you should do as that insertive partner to make sure sex isn't painful. So I do have a sense with my body at this point when mm-hmm. I'm going to experience pain during penetration. Like, I can tell okay. before it's about to happen or going to happen that it's probably not going to feel good either because I'm in a stressy mood or I can just feel like if I do a quick body scan and I'm like, "Eh, my pelvic floor is tight, like it's going to be painful. Um, Okay. So in those instances, I'm, I will say something like I can tell I'm not ready for penetration yet. Can you keep giving me head that felt so good? Or um, before you go inside of me, can you keep playing with my clit? Because I think that's going to take me over the edge or, I right. you make it yeah, hard. or even like I yeah. can tell that I don't want to be penetrated today. Can I go down on you? I'd love to taste you. So yeah. I because that is the reality, you know. Like the fact that penetration is sometimes painful to me is not a hassle, and I cannot repeat that enough. It is not a hassle. It is just something that is that allows me to work around it and find other ways of experiencing pleasure. Yeah. And you know, as somebody who even doesn't have um, any sort of pelvic floor issues, I there are moments where I'm like penetration, not on the table, don't want it, not in the mood, 
like I think that we tend to see like penetration as the ultimate sexual act that like you're not having sex unless you're penetrating. No, let's let, let's get rid of that right now. Like I there's been some posts about this recently circulating among us like sex educators mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I love seeing it because I think it's so important that like we get out of that space because penetration can stress a lot of right. people out. Right. It's not even painful reasons. You know, it's, yeah. And I think it can be helpful for the insertive partner to know that if somebody is experiencing pain during penetration and expresses that to you, that you should be so grateful that they feel comfortable enough telling you about what they are experiencing and then responding to it. It is by no means a slight at your sexual prowess or your sexual skills. It is instead them saying to you, hey, I'm really enjoying what's going on. What you just did or that specific act too fast or not on the table or we need more lube for this to be pleasurable, let's work around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how hot to say to someone, hey, let's work around this thing that doesn't feel good and find something that gets us both off. I mean, you don't have to use that right. sexy voice that I just put on, but like you could. <laughs> it kind of helps. Absolutely. And I think there's also importance in like a poised coital, coital conversation. Wait, so Bobby, do you, is pain yeah. ever something that you actively seek out? No. You know what? I'm conflicted, so clearly maybe okay. a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, though, with pain, it's more like biting my nipple a little too hard at times or, like, never during penetration. I never want the penetration mm. to be painful. But, like, a spank, you know, things like that I'm more into. Yeah, like, aggressive at times, but never regarding my genitals. I don't want anything touch it like any pain at all because as i've expressed before i've also fractured my penis so what wait i don't think you've told this story uh so first it was uh red Ah! and then it was blue and then i'm not kidding it was like black and like i'm talking shaft to testicles all oh my gosh okay so how did it when i showed the doctor she like jumped back and like (laughs) She actually did. She came in. She read the charts. She said, oh, you poor thing. Can I see it? And I did. <laughs> Let me see it. And then she, she actually jumped back and was like, oh, my goodness. I wasn't expecting that. Um, but, yeah, it was reverse doggy. Um, sat, my sexual partner sat on it. And I felt it like it kind of, they slammed down. They pulled out and it slammed down. And I felt it like. I heard it like I felt a crack. Wait, what is reverse doggy? You were on your back and then they were. Oh, sorry. Reverse cowboy. Oh, I was like, I damn, I have to add a new position yeah. to my repertoire. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how the hell does that work? Um... <laughs> okay, so reverse rider. Oh, I'm with you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, slammed down on it and like, I was like, oh, that didn't feel good, but it like wasn't painful. So like, but I noticed my erection was going away. And then I was like, let's just do it again. So I put it back in. And then it happened again because my dick was already flaccid by that point. So it like slammed down again. I went, okay, hold on. And um, yeah, I turned the lights on and I looked and like, <laughs> Gabby, horror what? show. I thought, I thought somebody like <laughs> surgically inserted like a water balloon. It was, <gasps> yeah, it was really scary. What did you do? Did you immediately call 911 or did you go to the hospital? I uh, I googled all of the um, like they said like as long as do you know like this is more common than you think. Don't freak out just yet. Inspect your, the next time you urinate if there's blood or anything because you might have like 
your messed up your urethra and like you know punctured it so i didn't so i was like i'll just go to the clinic the next morning and then that's when the doctor jumped back by that point it had turned blue and black and have you ever tried reverse rider again (laughs) no and all my buddies were like i'm never doing that again like i'll never do that position because i told them all i've got no shame i mean i'm telling people on a podcast wow so learn do as i say not as i do Okay, folks, <laughs> that's that's the lesson learned. Do you have anything that's uh, similarly traumatic? Let's share our traumas, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe, that was probably really loud for you. Viv's our producer. The body remembers when you experience pain. So, oh, yeah. you know, having painful vaginal intercourse once, you know, total accident, nobody's fault. I think has caused my body to be a little bit more reactive before that sex position is going to happen. Like I'm really like bracing for impact. Yeah, I'm like bracing for impact. And of course, when you kind of brace for impact, then all your muscles clench. It does the opposite. And when your muscles clench, it keeps blood flow from going to the area and you need blood flow to experience proper arousal and lubrication. And so I'm kind of fucking myself by having that experience. Um, So now before I have penetration, there's a lot of like self-talk that has to go on or I have to say to my partner, like, okay, slow, slow. Or I have to believe that my partner knows to go slow. The uh, the biggest lesson I want people to take from this is to not be scared to communicate and to voice, make your fucking voice heard. Like if anything's uncomfortable, this is sex. We should both be enjoying ourselves. So make sure that happens. And that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And a you third know. takeaway is if you are experiencing pain during penetration on a regular basis, it's really worth talking to, to a provider for. Because for me, the fact that I have a hypertonic pelvic floor still shows up in my sex life and can affect the way that I have sex. But the pain I experience now is so much less than the pain that I used to experience. Like it is a whirlwind of difference. The The sort of mm-hmm. like at-home strategies and exercises, et cetera, et cetera, that my provider has given me have really helped. And I hope everyone who experiences pain during penetration gets help like that. Babes, if there is any pleasure tool that has taken my sex life from ouch to oh baby, it is the O-nut. Sometimes known as a penis bumper, the O-neck goes over the shaft of any penetration device, be it a vibrator, a penis, a dildo, a double-ended dildo, allowing you to customize the depth of penetration. Personally, I experience the most pain the deeper into my vaginal canal a toy or penis goes. For me, the ONA allows me to customize that depth, allowing the penetrating tool to only go as far as feel good. Lucky for you, if you go to onut.co, that's O-H-N-U-T dot C-O, and enter the code BADINBED at checkout, you can get 10% off this wondrous device.
Wow, wow, wow. I feel so lucky that we get to have Dr. Uchenna Osai on the podcast. UC is a Texas-based pelvic floor therapist and sex educator who is sex-positive, trauma-informed, and unapologetically real. Dr. UC, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to join all of you to talk about sexy time and all the things. Oh, yeah. Amazing. So we want to talk about all things painful sex. And I think the best place to start is just by addressing this myth of, is it normal for sex to be painful? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. And I'm not laughing at, at um, no. anyone who has pain with sex, but it's no, it's not. It's not. Sex is supposed to be, unless you like pain as part of your pleasure mm-hmm. experience, sex is not supposed to be painful. If you do not desire pain with sex, it's it's not supposed to be there. How so, do you feel about like the difference between discomfort and pain? Because I often say the same thing when I'm writing about anal sex and I'm saying like, sure, there's going to be parts where it's you're uncomfortable a little bit, but like you mm-hmm. learn, you get past it eventually. But sometimes people will ask me like, what's the difference between pain and discomfort? Like, how can I differentiate the two? What would you say to them? Absolutely. So if I, if you were a patient of mine and you were talking mm-hmm. about you were coming in for painful intercourse, I would say discomfort is that process where you pause and you're like, okay, let me adjust. Let me relax. It's like, okay, there we go. It's not going to distract you from being able okay. to enjoy the experience. Pain is so pain is so that you like literally say, nope, absolutely not. Get off. <laughs> That's not mm-hmm. working. You know, I can't. Your, your brain now is thinking that you're being chased by a bear. So does pain always warrant a visit to an expert like you? Or is there sort of an order of operations? Like first, slow down. Second, add a butt ton of lube. Third, see an expert if, it, if the pain's continuing. Yes, I, I like that, uh, that process because I think it's very important for people to troubleshoot and problem solve on their own with their own body, with their own input. But if they're not seeing any changes and they're seeing the pain persist, that's when it's important to see a licensed professional who who's trained in pelvic floor dysfunction. Can I ask you to kind of walk us through what a session with you would look like? Like, do does somebody immediately come see you and strip down and you look inside or look outside? I mean, what does that look like? What does that entail? Absolutely. So absolutely not. Really, I spend the first 20 to 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, getting the lay of the land and we're having a discussion about what's going on in your body, what your experience has been in trying to take care of yourself, your sexual history, your goals. Because oftentimes when patients are coming to me, they're, they want to get rid of their pain. And then once their pain is a little bit better, they're saying, okay, well, I want to have amazing toe curling sex. How do I do that? And they've had pain for 10 years. So pain has always been a part of their sexual experience. Mm. And so we have to do a lot of remodeling (laughs) and reframing and re-education and reintroduction to your body in a sexual framework where you have a deeper understanding of what your pain is doing and how it is incorporating mindfulness and almost, almost vulnerability uh, because there's a lot of trust that can be lost in your body when pain is, you know, always hijacking your pleasure. Are there remedies for these causes of pain? Can the pain get less painful? Yeah, it can. 
But, you know, this is not the funnest answer you're going to hear. <laughs> it's really highly individualized. It really depends on what the person is coming in with. Do they have a history of trauma? Are they really, really anxious? Do they have a heart? Mm -hmm. Is their wife really busy? Are they in a healthy relationship? Do they have a lot of support? <laughs> to, you know, the, all those components are going to dictate how well the outcomes are for their intervention. And let's not forget minority stress. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Because if we're thinking about what the body and identity we come into this world with and the stressors that we all experience walking into a clinical space trying to get treatment, it's going to be in a different, if, if your body's going to be in a different system than someone that isn't experiencing that minority stress or that layered stress. Mm -hmm. And so that that's also something to be considered and that needs to be measured. And I think in the world of George Floyd, and Brianna Taylor and Amala Berry, that we're seeing the 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 medical the medical world really starting to get their act together in terms of how we manage our patients and how what we're measuring and looking at, because it's not a lot, enough just to look at your sexuality or your race. We need to look at the isms and how those isms put undue stress on the body and how that undue stress diminishes our bandwidth and increases our inflammatory markers and you know, all of those things that can influence um, treatment. I know a lot of people when we mention pelvic floor, it's just like, what's that? Like, I'm wondering why it's not part of the regular discussion because it is so important. Yeah, I think because a lot of people, it's not because it's not part of our education when we were kids. I right. know that sounds really... Uh, basic, but I always just like to start at the root. Yeah. Like when we were kiddos, we were taught about our arms, our legs, our toes, you know, our gut. We were not told about our pelvic floor mm. because right. that's where the genitals were and they didn't want to encourage sexy talk. And, <laughs> mm. and I think if people were educated about this from the start, it would be part of the natural conversation because we would all be comfortable talking about it. No one feels uncomfortable talking about doing bicep curls or squats, right? Because that's just that's just part it's of the not, conversation when we're right. thinking about health and wellness and fitness. But when you're thinking about sexuality, pelvic floor should always be at the, in the conversation. When we're talking about like pelvic floor exercises, and um, could you explain what some of the more common or effective ones may be for vulva and penis owners? I, okay, so I'm going to say a disclaimer. Okay. The best way to, to know if you're doing it correctly is actually to have someone assess it for you. So whether that's insert a finger into the vagina or into the rectum, or excuse me, into the anus. And then if I were doing a pelvic exam on a vulva owner or a vagina owner, I would insert into the vagina and say, okay, I want you to squeeze around my finger and imagine you're pulling my finger into your body, almost like a turtle's head coming into a shell. So you want to feel the anus, vagina, urethra contract and pull my finger up like you're picking up a napkin. Mm. If I'm working with, yep, if I'm working with a penis owner, I'm going to do insert my finger into their anus, into the rectum. And I'm going to say, I want you to contract around my finger, around the anus. And I want you to imagine you're pulling the penis into your body, almost like a turtle's head coming into a shell. And then you need to fully relax. The relaxation component is just as important as the contraction component. Right. If you have a history of chronic constipation, pain, don't do this without getting screened first. Okay. okay. So that being said, everyone just, you know, get as comfortable as you can. Just make sure your booty is 
you know, butt bones are kind of square on the chair and the floor. I want you to relax your jaw, get your shoulders out of your ears, head on top of your neck. And then I want you to keep your belly relaxed. And then I want you to engage, so tighten at the anus. And if you have a vagina, vagina, pull in the penis if you have a penis, urethra, squeeze and lift everything up like you're picking up a napkin and then let that napkin drop. Be sure not to hold your breath. And then again, squeeze and pull up and then let it drop. So that's just one regular contraction. So I'm having you contract and relax. Mm -hmm. If you wanna test your endurance, you can, you can tighten and hold for up to 10 seconds. So I always say do like a 10 second max. So if you try and hold for 10 seconds and you drop off at three seconds, that's where you live. So you Got just it. do three second holds, right? If you drop off at six, you do six second holds, right? And so you do that and you would hold for six seconds. And I always say rest for six seconds. Give your muscles time to recovery. recover, do that. Try two sets of five and then build up over time. You could also do something where I call elevators. So you squeeze and you go up to the second floor, third floor, fourth floor, release. Mm -hmm. You could do that to kind of help with control. So this can be great for people who struggle with premature ejaculation, um, people who have difficulty with orgasm. That's a really great exercise. Another one is just to do quick flicks. So it's just like squeeze, 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 release. Really lots of fun things you can do with your pelvic floor. How frequently should someone do this if they're looking to kind of keep up with it? Sure. If you're just doing this just to say, like, I just want a healthy pelvic floor. I want the juices flowing. I want the blood flow doing its thing. Yeah. Then I would I would say two sets of 10, two to three times a week. Just okay. like you would do just if, you know, because the recommendation for weight training is going to be two to three times a week unless you do unless you have a different training schedule. So I say just do that. So if, and incorporate, if you already have a workout schedule, incorporate it with your workout schedule. Have you ever had an experience with a toy or penis so large that penetration is uncomfortable or painful? Well, do I have a product for you. The Onut is a, quote, intimate wearable that lets you customize penetration depth. It's worn similar to a cock ring, but is designed to act as a buffer for when penetration is painfully deep. Designed to feel like skin with a fit as comfortable as a gentle hug, the Onut contains four rings that can be used together or individually, whichever offers the most pleasurable depth so you can explore what feels good for both of you. Visit Onut.co to learn more and use the code BADINBED for 10% off your purchase. Regardless of the reason for the pain, do you have tips for folks on how to talk to their partner about the fact that they are experiencing pain during sex? I, I, want, I, I would tell that person to first kind of get comfortable with getting the world of pain acceptance and accept that it's a part of your sexual experience for now and that it's going to evolve with time, that it will get better. And so if you're communicating with your partner, say, you know, I, I love having sex with you and I love being sexual. But sometimes sex can be painful for me. So depending on the day, you know, I can do penetration. And then some days penetration is just not on the table. But these are the other mm -hmm. things that I love so much that give me so much. I love giving you pleasure. And I want this to be a mutually pleasurable experience. 
because penetration is just one of the things on the sexual menu. It's not the menu. Oh, and so, right. Preach. <laughs> you know, just take it off the pedestal and it's like, bloop. Yes. Because all of these sexual acts are equally, they're all valid. Mm-hmm. Not one, it's, it's almost like thinking that you're at a buffet and I'm like, I will take toe sucking for this <laughs> and I'm going to take nipple play for this Yeah, and I'm going to do a little bit of spanking here, you know, and, and it can be so fun because I always think like, this is like choose your own sexy time adventure when you have, you know, in one concept, you know, the thing about having pain with sex or discomfort or you know, discomfort to the point where it's not causing you pleasure. So then you're just calling it pain. It it actually gives you the opportunity to kind of really assess your pleasure and and gives you the opportunity to be more creative uh, than the average bear in terms of when we're thinking about, you know, sexuality. To speak to someone who's not as well informed to say, I don't want my penis touched today would be like, what? Why? That's, you know, it's just... It's mind-boggling how close-minded we have become. We have grown to sex. It's just crazy to me. Absolutely. And granted, for me, it makes so much sense, maybe because I live in this world and for previous partners who have pain with, with, you know, sexual, with sex, we Mm. were able to have very fulfilling, robust, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy sex lives. Um, Because I knew when they said, oh, this doesn't feel good to me. I'm like, all right, yeah, what feels great to you? And yeah. it was just like, cool, okay, good. Thank you for telling me because goodness, <laughs> if I had gone down that road, I would have felt felt terrible that I brought brought that on, you know? And so I think that cool. it's just, it's really about the individual and their reaction and you can guide them through, true. But if it's, if it's disrupting your peace, then it, there might need to be a, a, a new discussion to be had. Bobby and I both write about sex for work, and so we get a lot of PR emails as new products come onto the market. And I've been noticing a lot of products geared towards helping people with their pelvic floors, like sort of like Kegel exercisers Uh or at-home pelvic floor gyms or pelvic floor weights. I mean, are these things legit? Are these good news in terms of bringing awareness to pelvic floor health. I'd love to honestly yeah, hear your opinion I on all, these. all of those tools, depending on what the patient is. So if I have a patient that lives in the middle of Timbuktu and it, they have to drive three hours to get to me for every right. session, I don't want them to come in to see me on a weekly basis. That's too much. So I might utilize mm. a, um, a something like LV. So the LV trainer is you put that, you insert mm. it. And this is for vulva and vagina owners but you would insert into the, into the vagina and it would, it helps you measure and train your pelvic floor. Now I would have them get this if they can afford it or if their insurance covers it after I've done a pelvic floor assessment, after I've talked them through how to do the exercise properly, if that is actually what I need them to do. If it's simply that they just need to strengthen their pelvic Mm. floor, I'll say, yes, do this. And I'll see you in four weeks and send me your results every week so that I can monitor this. So I, that's how I would use that or vaginal weights, depending. So depending on some of my patients, um, for some of my patients who are not necessarily tech savvy, vaginal weights are perfect because they can feel, they get that feedback by feeling something in their vagina and then they can contract around that. So that gives them kind of old, mm. I call it old school, non-tech biofeedback so they can feel something because sometimes it's, it's easier for someone to do a pelvic floor contraction if something is inserted 
into in their pelvic floor, either via the anus or the vagina. So I do like some of those tools. I haven't seen, I haven't utilized all of them. I'm extremely picky uh, when it comes mm. to those things. So I, I'm comfortable with LV. So I I, I say that I that's legit. Right. Um, vaginal weights. Uh, I don't use them all the time, but for some patients, they're a perfect solution. Um, I think maybe I recommend it three four times a year. So it's a, it's not a lot, but you know, enough to where I'm like, oh, it's, they can be useful for the right person. But if you're just someone who doesn't have pain or you you just want to have a strong pelvic floor and you're saying, hey, I would like to feel something as I do it. Vaginal weights are cool. You can get the LV. Um, and there are other lots of products out there in the market. I just haven't, I haven't mm. tested all of them. Yeah. Are there benefits to hulkifying your pelvic floor? For somebody who's not experiencing pain to to start using these weights? I think that if there's benefits to, yeah, I do. I think that it's always important to strengthen all of your muscles and to engage them on a regular mm. basis. I don't think that you need to do 50 pelvic floor exercises every single day, but a couple times a week, sure, that's that's fine. You know, I think that that's completely mm. fine. You don't, you don't, again, you don't need to do 200 of them. You just, I say 10, 10 every other day or 10 reps three times a week keeps the pelvic PT out of your, out of your junk. Well, <laughs> I've noticed that there aren't many toys for the penis for doing um, exercises, but there's plenty for the bum. Yeah. Um, I've read and have personally done exercises with like a towel uh-huh. where you put the towel over like the, your penis and you lift it. Yep. Uh, is that, was that something you would recommend sure. for people? To, Absolutely. You know? I've, awesome. I've had, I've had a patient do that one time because that, yeah. Because, yeah. You lift the yep, towel with your penis. You lift the towel yeah. with your penis. And yeah. I've had, because it was the best way for him to get to feel that he was doing his exercise right. correctly. You know, we tried, um, you know, we tried a couple of things and it's just because you shouldn't use a butt plug for this. Um, and that way, like you can use a butt plug in terms of like kind of finding the muscle, but that's only finally the right. anal compo- component of the muscle, not the entire pelvic floor. And so sometimes yeah. it's really helpful to kind of have, you know, I always say for penis owners, visual feedback is the best, uh, you know, standing yes. in front of a mirror, some type of towel, some t- something that you can move around. Uh, you know, if you have a tissue, you know, you can do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, that's maybe maybe we should talk offline and develop a product uh, for penis owners. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I because before the towel, I was doing the um, holding in your urine. That was kind of the oh no, don't do that. The main... oh, oh really? Don't do that. Okay, because they were telling me uh-uh. to do that uh-uh. and like to practice flexing that muscle. So, though, this is good because that is in a lot Wait, of. Wait, say why? No, I want to know why. Right okay, so think about this, right? So, when you want to pee, pee, you don't want to be holding back your urine because there's right. a feedback natural loop between your brain and your bladder, and you don't want to disrupt that. Because oftentimes people say, oh, when I have to pee, I'll just hold my urine, I'll just hold it back. Yes, those are the muscles, but you don't want to hold back your urine. You want to let it flow. Right. Mm. Um, always let it flow. Always let it go. Pee time is me time. You can do it after. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it after yeah. you tinkle, but not before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I guess like the lesson there is to like, 
use the same muscles you would if you had to hold yes. back your pee, yes. but don't actually do it. Exactly. exactly. Got it. Yes. Yes. Particularly for, particularly for people who, who really struggle with, who have bladder issues, you know, who yes. might have a tiny tank, who have, um, you know, all those, all those um, bladder concerns, I would say, see someone like myself, come on down to Austin. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I could go to Austin and wear. I know you know, you're so wonderful. Oh, thanks. You know, I mean, my my medical assistant says you just have you all are just laughing too much in that room because you know I'm always cackling with my patients. <laughs> um, you know, just because you know it's just you have to laugh sometimes um, in terms of some of the sessions and what what we work with. But it's really I love what I do and it's such a joy and I just love talk. I love I love the the ability to talk to amazing people like yourself and spread the gospel. And I know from following you on Instagram that you make folks laugh through your videos <laughs> and reels. Do you want to tell folks where to find you and, and how to get in contact with you if they live in the Texas yeah, area? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at UCLogic, Y-O-U-S-E-E Logic. And you can also get me on my website at www.uclogic.com. You can book a sex counseling session with me I do education consultations and business consultations for DEI, sex education. So feel free to DM me. And if you have a question about sexy time, you can also um, email me and message me through um, Instagram or my website. And I can answer your question on Bourbon Tales, where I drink bourbon and answer people's questions about sexy time. <laughs> follow, follow, follow. Her Instagram is so freaking good. <laughs> On next week's episode, Gabby and I have an enlightening conversation with disability awareness consultant Andrew Gerza. We chat about how the queer community can be more accessible to disabled folks, discuss his advocacy for sex work for disabled people, and explore his experiences with the sex worker responsible for the best sex of his life. Don't forget to rate us and leave a review while you're here. Support queer media, people. I wanna know what it's like inside the heart of the machine.